Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. This is just a 20 to 25 minute chat I had with Tom Pidcock, who was kind enough to join us from his training camp in Europe. Oh, it was my morning, his evening. So cheers to Tom for making the time. And we just went through what he expects what races he expects to do this season, how he thinks doing cyclocross fits in with the road racing. We discussed a bit of the Giro last year and the Euro Champs under 23 individual time trial, what he thinks his styles or strengths and weaknesses are as a rider, and just a bit of an informal discussion. So if you like these sort of 20 to 30 minute chats with riders, let us know and let us know which rider you'd like us to reach out to and interview next because January is the best time for us to set this up when the riders are on team camps with their press officers. It's really hard to get access to riders during the middle of races and grand tours, uh, understandably. So if you, if you want to see more or hear more from your favorite rider, let us know and we'll do our best to try and tee that up. Now, these guys are still pretty busy. I mean, that's why it's... Uh, I'm still grateful that they make the time to do it. They got to train for like six hours in the morning or the, sort of from nine to three or whenever. Then maybe they got some other team obligations, a photo shoot, they got dinner, they got talking to coaches, etc. So they still got a pretty full day. But anyway, that's enough from me. Here's the interview with Tom Pidcock. Hope you enjoy it. Right, Tom Pidcock, welcome to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Big guest, where? Are you now? A bit of mystery around it, and I, I'm a bit, little bit confused myself. Got the CX season at the moment. Could you maybe just explain to people how the CX Ineos signing transition is working this year? Is the first road race in March, and you're fulfilling the full CX season before then? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's January. When, I don't know when this is going out, but it's January. I finish the cross on the 31st at the Worlds. And then, yeah, as of February, then I changed to uh, Ineos. It was March, but it, we're, gonna, we're changing it to February now. Okay, cool. And are you doing, is that just to join the team, like go to the service course, et cetera, or are you planning on racing and getting a race in on the road in February? Yeah, yeah, I, I'll be racing. I'm um, doing Mediterranean Epic, the mountain bike race first. Cool. Um, and then yeah, Algarve and openings weekend. So I'm actually yeah not having much of a break, going straight into the road. And that's what I want to talk about. Actually, how does it? Are you a big like numbers sort of always looking at your training peaks or whatever software you guys use? Are you like obsessive about it, or are you kind of just a pedal hard? And I get the results type guy or somewhere in the middle? Yeah, in, in the middle, I'd say. I think it's, uh, a, of course, we we look at, I look at the numbers and, and, and uh, yeah, do training to numbers. But, yeah, I'm also a guy like that. I mean, yeah, you do, you do your training, you do your numbers, and then 
you don't need to talk about it for days afterwards, do you? And um, yeah, so I I use them for what they're needed for, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, it's not at the end of the day. I'm also a guy who's uh, yeah. If we did testing or something, I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm not a guy for testing. I'll go for racing. And so with this CX season, like, how does that work? I'm not like a training expert or anything. I just watch a lot of the races. But how does that work physiologically? You've got like a traditional preparation for roads. I mean, it's not the case anymore. But it used to be you just do like long hours in the saddle, right? You're doing CX races mm. in your off season, and we know it works. Like we know it works now because we've got Wout Van Aert, Matthew Van der Poel, and you even did well in U23 stuff last year. So it's not like mm. it can't work. But how does that work? Doing like a one hour intense effort in the midst of your sort of a road training block. Are you were are you doing like a hybrid training program with with Ineos, um, accounting for the CX stuff? Yeah, so after Mountain Bike Worlds last year, I had three weeks off, which is actually the longest I've uh, had off ever. Um, then I think I did four weeks of yeah endurance, or, th- or three weeks of endurance. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, big endurance block, not really high-intensity effort. And then, yeah, I got into the season, I was... Um, First race was terrible, but then as soon as I switched to high intensity, then immediately I was just, yeah, the level the level came because of all the endurance. And then I kind of, yeah, keep a mix. I, I generally do, yeah, four or five hours if I'm in a big, a good big training day with efforts. So, um, yeah, keep keep a good mix um, during the races. And then now I've done, yeah, just over a week now of uh, two two blocks of endurance, and then I'm going to switch again to uh, the intensity before the world. Does seeing what Wout and Matthew Van der Poel, seeing what they've done, basically like a seamless transition between the two codes, even to winning? You know, I think Wout Van Aert was like barely done any road races in like 2018, and he won. I um, think it was 2019, like won a Tour de France stage. Does that give you any like does that reassure you that hey this is like this is something that can be done this is definitely possible that i can do both even at like the biggest team in the world yeah yeah for sure i mean it's simply not possible to replicate across racing training like they're so fast now it's um yeah there is even if i did it just for training for the road it is, yeah, by far the the best training you could possibly possibly do to, yeah, be explosive and powerful and fast for the road, and then you just need to add endurance, and then yeah, you're basically a complete road rider. Then we saw last year with the U- European champs. I think I know you won Baby Zero and everything, but I thought the most interesting result and people what well, I was looking at with them some other people was your European champs fourth place in the ITT. Mm. And we were like, okay, that's, that's a good result. Cause Legnison won that. And I think he's pretty good um, as well. I think he's going to do pretty well this year. How yeah. with this, with the cross, with the, with the road stuff, how much time have you had on the TT bike? Cause you look pretty dialed in 
look really aero as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, there's there's a bit of work to be done in my TT bike, but yeah, I spent I spent a good bit of time on it before. But I say a good bit of time. Yeah, I I yeah in the last couple of weeks before it, in the last week, I yeah did a lot of sessions and um yeah, I was I was going for going for that race. I was disappointed at the start, you know, when I finished, I was like fourth, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to win, but to be honest, I was so I was like I think 56, 57 kilos and yeah, in the end my numbers were pretty were pretty good. Well, very good. My best ever really. Um so I can't really be disappointed with it. It was actually pretty pretty good ride. Yeah. And uh, we were trying to figure out like we're all like me and a couple of other nerds, we like always look at the times and everything, we try to figure out but even though we have no idea what your CDA is, um and we're like, Yeah, that's his exact watts that he did, so it's like world class performance. Um but yeah, we thought that was pretty quick because what what yeah, what, what 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 do you reckon <laughs> I was uh, doing? Uh, well uh, we had your weight I think I had your weight at fifty seven, so that was pretty bang on. I think maybe mm. three thirty, three thirty five, I can't remember. Um, I think uh, I I averaged I think three fifty something on my normalized was three seventy one. All right, so you can Half go an way, hour. so you can go way quicker. Because uh, yeah. like we we obviously were we were like we, we thought your position was like absolutely locked, so we thought okay he's done this all on arrow because I know Campanarts did he's heavier than you and he did three thirty three forty for some I can't remember so TT. Because um, he's like obviously he's he's all aero. Maybe that was his world record, world hour attempt. Okay, yeah, yeah possibly. Yeah. Three seventy normalized. Jesus Christ! All right, maybe that's why on more. Yeah, okay. Speaking of numbers, then in a similar length effort, were you surprised by your Motorola time? Because in the baby's year, I'm not sure if you guys have seen that. Go and check out my YouTube video about that. Oh, Matt was included that stage. Yeah, your time even compared to. When they've done the race in the Euro, etc., it's pretty quick. Were you surprised by that? Um, well, it's funny you mentioned that because before the race, I was thinking, yeah, I'm just going to go flat out the Motorola and try and uh, yeah get the KOM. <laughs> and then I was I was told to calm down and win the, and win the race and forget about that. So then I I hit it in two minds about what I should do but then I felt crap so then I was just like nah <laughs> I'm just gonna ride like I'm just gonna get over this and then uh, yeah but, I, but then that climb like with those gradients you, you never feel good so yeah I think yeah. one other guy joined you I can't remember maybe he was like fourth trying to get onto third was it Ben Danabil or someone maybe it was a different yeah. stage he tried to join you he's trying to get on third and GC so there's really no point no point trying to drop him because he I think he worked with you from memory. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you speaking of the mixture, I've already asked you about three, four questions about like different disciplines. CX, Motorola doing a hot time, TT doing doing well. You've also won Paris Bay both juniors and U twenty three. At a guy that's you know under sixty kilos. Do you think that like, is that going to be a target race for you in the future? And maybe not this year, but is that something you want to do and actually target as a to win uh, at World Tour level? Yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, this year I'm not riding, but, uh, yeah, next year I, I will. I want to ride. 
Um, and yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, if I if I do win, I'll be definitely be the first guy. We were talking about this earlier. But the first guy sub sixty kilos to win Roubaix for yeah. sure. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, it is it is something I want to I want to target. Whether I ever do win, you know, yeah, the raw raw simply, I don't have the raw power of the big guys. That's uh, just facts. Um, but yeah, I do want to give it a go. It's a, one of my favourite races. Especially when the crowds are allowed to come back. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's almost like a new era now where you've got Avon Paul breaking away, and he's like, I think almost the most a similar rider to you in that he's you know he's like under six foot. He's like he's probably a bit heavier than you to be honest, but he's like TT got TT and can climb etc. And Alaphilippe, even at Flanders last year. Like Alaphilippe, I think should, if he does it, should be a favourite again for Flanders this year. I don't see why not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Flanders is a bit different to Roubaix um, in terms of the style, right? Yeah. I mean, you just see now, like, if you got Punch or TT, or if you know, if you're realistic and you're like, okay, well, I probably shouldn't go to the Velodrome with Vernon if he's there or, or Sagan or Mads Pedersen now. Like, if you're you, I probably, you know, you. Probably not a great idea to go to the velodrome with them, but if you yeah. use it in a way that you know, like you even saw Stefan Kung, who he doesn't get the, the biggest results all the time, but at least he's realistic. I think now Kung uh, again, hit Wave again, maybe he's like, well, fuck this, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat Wavana Van der Poel and Pedersen in a sprint, so I just gotta actually try and attack from really far out and use my TT ability and. Yeah, ended up coming mm. like 12th. 12th because of it. And I guess that's why riders often don't do it because it's like, well, I could sit in, get fourth out of four, but I, I have zero chance of winning. Uh, anyway, I don't know why. Yeah, you got a race for the win, though, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. It's a mindset thing. So speaking of, I mean, I'm not sure if you published your schedule or if you, you guys have even firmed up on it yet fully at any of us, but do you know what races your um, – what your program is looking like for 2021 yet? Yeah, I mean, there's there's an idea that, yeah, I've, me my coaches have kind of, uh, yeah, come come to. But, yeah, I, beyond yeah, the first races, Mediterranean Epic, Algarve and Openings Weekend. And then, what is it? Then it's Strada. Um yeah, beyond that, not really. I mean, I want, hopefully, well, we'll be doing a big mountain bike block in about June. Yeah. Um, I think June, July, and then, or, yeah, June. And then, yeah, Olympics, hopefully. Well, I mean, we haven't got a spot yet, but uh, that's the, the plan. And then I want to ride the Vuelta. Yeah, and I keep asking people, oh, what's your program looking like? And it's like, well... I, they're like, I don't know, man. Do I have to do two weeks quarantine before the, the Olympics, or do I not? You know, like it's <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. don't, if you don't know, then... for me, that's not going to be much of okay. a. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, Tour of Austria is basically my race before that, and it's like yeah, two and a half weeks. So, all right. Yeah, it's, whether it's quarantine or not doesn't really affect me. Okay, so I won't be doing enough. the tour. So, yeah, and when you look at okay, so you're not doing the tour. If you had to pick the sort of the Grand Tour profiles, which one do you think suits you the most? And maybe if you wanted to 
I hate, I hate, like when it was like, you know, trying to put people in boxes, being like, he is exactly this sort of rider. But you may want to ex- explain to people what sort of rider you you view yourself as, or maybe what your strengths are or weaknesses might be on the road, and like which Grand Tour you think suits you the most. I assume you're going to go for GC at some point in the future. Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. Well, I don't know what the differences are between the Grand Tours. They're all three weeks. That's why I know. <laughs> Giro uh, Giro is like the long climbs. Like so, Rowan Dennis is like good on Giro because it's like twenty five k, six percent, five percent smooth. Tour is like yeah. mixed, and then Wells is just like madness with ridiculous climbs. Yeah, I'd say this. I say I say the tour to be honest. Um, yeah, a mix. I think I think to be honest, I'm better on the the shallower climbs than the steep ones. Yeah. So yeah, zero zero tour. I would say that's what Vlasov said. The the Astana guy. I was. He was like, listen, I I just. He's like, I want one hour at six percent, seven percent, and staying exactly like that. He won the Mont Blanc two challenge. Whereas then on in the Vuelta, yeah. the Vuelta, he was like getting dropped by Roglic on the really steeper stuff, and then having to come back. Later. Yeah. Is that so? You you're sort of a bit, a bit like that. Yeah, I'd say so. I think it's much harder to find rhythm, isn't it, on a steeper hill um, compared to, yeah. It's not like you can, like on a shallower climb, you can, yeah, you can sort of, like Alaphilippe was doing the toy, kind of sprints and then just eases up and then, you know, you can you can break your rhythm, whereas a steep climb, if you stop pedaling, you, you're going to stop. So. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Vuelta al Burgos, it's like a, uh, I'm not sure if you ever watched it, but it's a, it's always like a European to a five state five week uh, five day race, but it always has like really high climbing performances. Sosa, as he usually does pretty well on it, um, mm. but yeah, it's got this climb Laguna Estonia in the last stage, and you can see like Sosa, he was good at just sort of sitting in and then attacking on like the steepest section, whereas and Lander and stuff were attacking over the pole, but then he was like you, he would just do what Froome would always do and just like TT his way back. He's like, you're going to have to drop your watts at some point. And I know my threshold probably actually is a bit better than you guys. But mm. so you just like TT his way back. And I think that's like, do you, is that how you'd probably try and ride a climb um, in the future? You'd be like, okay, you, you know, you guys might attack me, but you no know, one can surge forever. And I know my TT and my probably your threshold power is up there with the best. Is that how you would approach those climbs? Yeah, well, I don't know, but I know that I'm not very good at. I, I can I can ride at a consistent, very high pace, yeah. but if it's kind of like yeah, a bit under threshold, then I find it that's difficult to sit out. So I kind of yeah, maybe off the wheel and a bit and and. Uh, I saw that at the Giro yeah. a bit, at the baby Giro. Yeah, a bit. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I just kind of have to change my pace a little bit. Um, if it's flat out, then it's fine. But uh, yeah, if it's a bit, then I need to kind of, yeah, do a bit of different, different stuff. I'll save one of the serious questions. And like, don't don't lie to the audience. They'll know if you're lying. Your war zone, <laughs> your war zone KD. Oh, I actually, I have no idea. I, I uh, actually we'll have no up. idea. We'll it's look probably, you up on contract. Really like, really like 
<laughs> fucking 0.5 or something. It's rubbish. Right. Funny backstory is that I think I must have been, I might have been drunk. I don't know, but I think you must have posted an Insta story about Warzone or something. And I, I was supposed to ages ago and I responded to Tom. I must have said like 1v1 on Rust or something. Um, and then I made that video about <laughs> Baby Zero win last year. And I think Tom was, measured me trying like correcting something I said that was wrong about it. And he's then seen that like six months before I've just been like one V one me on Rust. He's like, excuse me, what is this? <laughs> yeah. So maybe I should yeah, I should probably stop doing that. What's your you, KD actually? It's not that good. It's like one point four. I'm not gonna lie to people. It's not I'm <laughs> like I call myself the uh, the strategic guy of the squad, meaning that I'm actually yeah. shit, shit and the other guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't play that. I've, I've gone back to Fortnite. It's just much easier. Oh, really? Yeah. You know Did the you... the DMR in in Warzone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I get killed by one, and I'm just like, right, I'm not playing anymore. Even Tom Peacock is calling to the DMR to get nerfed. I mean, Nick Merckx just said it got nerfed <laughs> on a YouTube video, so hey, maybe it has. Um, do you think? Apparently, apparently it hasn't. Nerfed. They nerfed it, but it's not been nerfed. <laughs> I know. Do you think that? Um, do you think there's been like a, a change in cycling now, and, and maybe you have insight into it? And I, I want to ask. I'm, my plan is to keep asking people this who come on. Why is it that younger guys, like really young, like yourself, like Pagacha, like Bernal, like Evan Paul, are able to come in now and be competitive almost straight away at World Tour level? Is it because like were you training with a power meter at like? 13 years old or even younger is do you reckon that's the reason why I think first of all I don't know but maybe a reason why is because like you know everything's developing every everything um, and I think maybe the development of young riders is yeah improving each year so that these guys get more information more yeah maybe better training earlier and earlier and also better and so yeah maybe at a younger age there yeah much further the yeah developed but better trained than perhaps before but honestly i don't know i think it's uh yeah it's a it's a it's strange, really. You know, guys peak when they're 25, 26, but some people's best results now are probably going to be, yeah, when they're 21. So I think, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know the answer, to be honest. Yeah, because like uh, Tao, yeah. Tao was like the traditional development timeline for like a British rider, like yeah, peak, yeah. peaking at like 25, 26, pretty, pretty standard, really. Sivakov... Is kind of similar to that timeline as well. I think he's going to have a big year. Um, like you see them doing well, like Tour of the Alps when they're like 23, 24, and then they after Civicon might be a bit younger than that. Whereas like Bernal, maybe, yeah, maybe it's the train, <clears throat> training, like they can handle like insane volumes early. Um, but mm. I, I think part of it is still related to power meters. I think now coaches and DS and managers now – they can everyone goes through their testing in January as a team and then they look at 
what each of the riders have done. It's like, okay, well, our 28-year-old that we are paying more, et cetera, and the, the guy who should be leading, well, he's done – he's still not – he's not actually as good as the 20-year-old Neopro we just signed because, mm. like, you can yeah. see it in the – you can see it in the numbers. Um, so the, the, I think like, there's lots of that yeah. old – old uh, yeah, tradition that, yeah, the young guys have to earn – yeah, like, earn the respect and earn the – and to be a leader but now it's like if you're the best you're the best I think that's also a thing yeah exactly and you saw I think you see that with the other teams you'll see like a 35 year old like veteran domestique like immediately working I mean it makes sense if I was there I'd be like okay well if he's this 20 year old kid's my best our best chance of winning I'd like to get a bonus rather than not getting a bonus um, mm. my team winning the, <laughs> the Tour de France so yeah how do you see – will you do the Olympics and then is there a plan for road racing after that or you just, just don't know yet um, depending on how the year goes? Yeah, I'd, I'd like – after the Olympics, I'd like to do yeah, the vault and the, and the road world. But, yeah, we'll see how see how it goes. I think – yeah, I'd like to do a Grand Tour. I think I'm ready to do a Grand Tour. And, yeah, I I'm not going to go in as a leader, but – I can go in and help and help the team, whoever will be the leader. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to do that. It'd be nice to, you know, there's not, there's not no pressure when you're, uh, it's almost easier to, uh, it's almost easier to perform when you're not under pressure um, and you're doing it for someone else. I quite, I quite like working for people sometimes. So yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's what we were talking about. Benji and I, on the Ineos preview um, is that Ineos has signed so many guys and there's so many, it's like the year where I think it's the most unclear who the GC leaders are. And there's so many potential guys that it's almost quite a good time that you've signed because if you were the only signing last year, maybe there'd be more spoke, like constant pressure and focus on when, when's Pickoff going to do his first round tour? Is he going to be the leader, et cetera? Where it's mm. like, okay, there's like 10 guys that all have yeah. on any other team would probably be the GC leader. So you yeah. can go to Welter, which is, yeah, traditional first grand tour for a guy. And yeah, take it easy. And maybe if, I don't know, Brailsford said last year that there's the plan to actually go for more stages and stuff. Who knows? Like maybe you mm. also get some freedom in that sense if that trend yeah, continues. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what. What the plan would be yet, but yeah, I'd be sure uh, up for that. Yeah. All right, I'll let you go, Tom. Thanks very much for joining the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Any last things you'd like no, to say? You. Any any little things you'd like people to look out for during this season? Any races to watch? Hello, Strada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Strada. I'll be keen to watch Strada. That that'll be so good. That's one of the, my favorite um, races this season. Yeah, I think it's my favorite race now. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to that. It's gonna yeah. be me good from all right cheers tom cheers selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. 
Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. shopify.com slash work.